Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Crypto Hipster Podcast. This is your host, Jamil Hassan, the Crypto Hipster, where I bring you founders, entrepreneurs, co-founders, thought leaders, executives, artists, a whole bunch of people, you name it, across the world in crypto and blockchain. And today I have an amazing guest. Uh, his name is Diego Lazarzo. He's the Director of Developer Relations at Agoric. Uh, Diego, welcome. Thank you very much, Emil. I'm really glad to be here. It, I've been following your podcast already for quite some time, so it's really lovely to be here and to be able to connect with your audience. That's awesome. I'm flattered. I'm, I was wondering who followed me. That's great. So, <laughs> Well, at least I'm one of them. I don't know about well, everyone else, but at least I'm one of them. <laughs> thank you so much. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, so this is going to be a great podcast. I really look forward to it. And the first question I'm going to have for you today is this. What is your background? And is it a logical background for what you're doing now? Well, I, I would say yes. Uh, right now, uh, I've been kind of like doing developer relations for the last 10 years. So that means that I get to talk with a lot of developers, a lot of people. Uh, most of the time, I get to say like, hey, uh, I'm being paid just to talk with people. So that in particular, I'm talking with developers. But before that, before I started with developer relations, I was working as a software developer. So, and I like that, uh, at least for me, because it helps me to connect with the audience with the people that I'm talking to, you know, it helps me to, to be able to uh, know some of like the pains that they go through, like the day to day and the different things that, that sometimes they uh, may encounter. So that's, that's really good. And, and yeah, like, a, I'll just give you kind of like a general idea of my career. I started in Colombia. That's where I'm from. I started with web development and then uh, I moved to Spain. I worked for some um, uh, consulting companies while I was there. And then funnily enough, I got a game designer role and that indirectly led me to developer relations. And it's because I had to kind of talk with people that were non-technical, that had uh, that were artists, that were producers, that were in marketing. So I figured out like, hey, it seems that I, I do a good job speaking to others, like trying to figure out like technical things to to get them uh, uh, like their way in, their, in a language that they could understand. But uh, at the time, I didn't know what to do with that. So it took a, a couple of years after that to get into DevRel. But after after that, like, yeah, I've been doing developer relations for many different com uh, companies, big size, small size. And, and right now, like you mentioned, I'm with Agoric. And the entire idea is to, yeah, like connect with developers, to show them the technology, to show them what we're doing. So, like I said, being a software developer at the beginning of my career can like help me to understand their problems and hopefully to connect with them. And that's that's what I'm doing right now. Awesome, awesome. I had to check real quickly to see if I had made. I know I had listeners in Spain, and I do have listeners in Colombia. So, um, <laughs> listen to you. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, yeah. Agoric. I know mm -hmm. I interviewed. I know I interviewed somebody from Agoric back in February. I can't remember who. Um, Abs it was Dean. He, he He's one of the founders and he really likes to kind of like go on different talks. So he's really kind of like uh, passionate about what we're doing. So most of the time he's one of like the public faces that we have in the company. And we have... Uh, different talks with him that that you can go and you can see that he's moving on the stage and he's getting people excited about that. So perhaps it was him. I don't know. Otherwise, it could have been perhaps Roland from uh, um, 
product management or or Santi for marketing. I don't know. Kind of hard. Like we have a, a good good group of people that like to talk. Awesome, awesome. So what 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 do what do you guys do? What, what does what is Agoric all about? And what makes you guys the hidden gem? The hidden gem, you know, uh, in crypto. Yeah, absolutely. So well. Like in, in simple terms, Agoric is a layer one uh, proof of stake blockchain and is designed to enable JavaScript developers to rapidly build uh, safe smart contracts. So what that means is that we're building a JavaScript smart contract platform for general purpose uh, use cases. So, And the hidden gem, I think, uh, Agoric is all about leveling up Web3 to make it approachable to millions of developers instead of just like thousands. That is what we're currently building. And right now, building a decentralized application is kind of complicated, you know, like you have all these protocols, it's kind of like a hostile environment, and even small mistakes can permanently uh, lose your users' funds. So what Agoric is kind of like trying to fix that in several ways, and like the first one is uh, the Agoric platform that has kind of like an escrow layer that we call SOE, uh, which developers can use to manage asset exchanges. And SOE ensures that your users get what they wanted or they get their money back. So, and, and that kind of like reduces the risk of, for developers. And the other thing is the algorithm contracts. Those are written in JavaScript, which is the most popular programming language in existence. And then the algorithm security model uh, allows contracts developers to build with reusable components. And that means that the capabilities can, their capabilities can grow exponentially as component libraries get built. So like if you are uh, on React, that's kind of like what you're already used to, like reusing code. And, and of course, I invite you and everyone in the audience to kind of check agorit.com to learn more about all the technical details. But but that's pretty much what, what we do. And you're going to hear quite likely during this conversation a lot of mentions to JavaScript because that's a big part of what we're doing. Let's focus on JavaScript. Um, I, in my corporate days, back in the day, I was a developer, right? But it's a SQL shop, um, yeah. not JavaScript. I don't know JavaScript, but there are, you know, um, a lot of JavaScript developers, you know, and there's a pressing need right now for those developers to learn Web3. Um, why does that need exist? And why do, you, why do we need more Web3 developer education within the JavaScript dev community? Yeah, that, that, that's great. And the thing is that right now, Web3 is pretty much kind of like changing the things, uh, like the way the things are done, right? So, but there are not enough developers that have the experience and that they have the knowledge to build a new solution uh, and projects using Web3 technologies. So just last year, uh, we had around like 25,000 active developers kind of like in the crypto Web3 community. But that is still really small when you compare it to millions of developers in the Web2 space. And I think it was between like 14 to 17 million JavaScript developers, if I'm not mistaken, in one of like these uh, uh, Stack Overflow uh, surveys that they have every year. So like something around that. So that's, we're talking in one side, thousands of developers. And in the other side, we're talking about billion, uh, millions of developers. So that's a huge difference. And bringing Web2 developers into the conversation means speaking to them in languages that they understand. It means that we, like as Web3 web industry, 
we have to simplify the onboarding process and making it easier for JavaScript developers to use their existing expertise and know-how. Uh, it, it's kind of like the perfect way to accomplish that, you know, like uh, showing them how to do it. And these millions of JavaScript developers are always looking for new problems to solve. They are looking to improve existing applications and procedures to reach new consumers, to build uh, creative outlets for their own skills. But many of them still don't know uh, much about the advantages of Web3, or they may not know where to start. So additionally, many of these developers uh, may have a general understanding of blockchain, but they may lack the specific uh, skills and knowledge needed to develop blockchain applications. So this has created a significant shortage of skilled developers, which can make it difficult for companies to find the talent they need to build and deploy these solutions. Uh, and JavaScript has proven to be kind of like a, a, like a language, a programming language that can make a significant presence in almost every corner of modern technology work, but it is still mostly used in the front end on Web3 applications. So what Agoric, uh, with Agoric, we offer kind of like the opportunity to create smart contracts using JavaScript. And, and, and well, that's kind of like closing that gap uh, of how to bring people from the Web2 to the Web3 space. There's a lot more to be closed, but let's start with the mm -hmm. base, right? Uh, the basis are compensation. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, compensation for software engineers and DeFi has been rapidly rising. Good for everybody. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's you know counterintuitive. While other people think it's a hidden sign of something, you know, uh, what does this metric really represent? Is it pay based on the scarcity of developers, or is there institutional companies trying to onboard new talent? Well, I think it's a little bit of everything, you know, uh, but it certainly reflects the scarcity of experienced professionals to ideate, to build, and to support these complex projects. But it also goes to show that the skills needed in DeFi and, well, in other Web3 verticals are highly specialized. Not only you would have to understand the technologies that power these applications, but you also need to understand the specific business needs. And that type of profile may be kind of like really hard to feel. Uh, I, I think it would be really interesting to speak with some recruiting people and get their full view on how competitive these positions are. But it is clear that higher, more specialized demand is not only going to bring compensations up. And like you said, in many ways, that's great news for developers interested in this space, because if you have a highly focused career or in general, if you have a developer experience that can contribute to the growth of Web3, someone is going to be interested in employing you. And in the end, uh, I think this is just another indication that DeFi and Web3 in general our space is in rapid growth. We are still kind of like quite early in the maturity cycle. And we will see many changes in the next few years. And even though the underlying technologies of Web3 have been explored for a while, and that includes some of the work of uh, Agoric's founders, Web3 only came to, into the mainstream conversation like just a few years ago. So we are not remotely close to how ubiquitous uh, Web2 is. And I think that's quite exciting. You know, that means that we have the space and the need for many more developers and that this is a great time to join the ranks of innovators building the next big things. And how do you join the ranks? I mean, not just coding, but like, what do they have to do? Like crypto is a very 
is a very uh, tough uh, industry just to break into, or not to break into, but to, to get up to the learning curve, right? Yes. So what do they got to focus on other than just coding? Well, uh, I, I think uh, there are like many like uh, technical skills and like in soft skills that sometimes don't get like uh, uh, the, the, the amount of like, they are not as discussed you know, like uh, as just programming, but I think listening and the ability to be humble are, are kind of like two big important parts of that because most technologies, they grow with the constant feedback of customers and users, you know, and we need to be able to pay attention to everyone that is involved in the process from like deeply technical visionaries to like non-technical users that want to get things done regardless of the cool technologies that may be underneath. So um, I think from the point of view of developers, we need to kind of keep the ability to uh, to keep changing, to keep learning, to uh, evolve. And especially in the tech world, uh, we can just expect things to remain static for a long time. So just to kind of have like that uh, curiosity, you know, like say like, hey, what's going on here? Let's try it. Let's try to figure out what's going on and how I can get started. That that I think it's kind of like a real important for, for anyone, you know, like anyone that that is not developer and non-developer last weekend my wife and i were checking out the possibility of someday going on a galapagos cruise so it's interesting that you use the word evolve um you know there's an increasing developing phenomenon with institutions and that is the shift the evolution from web 2 to web 3 how can these institutions bring you know bridge that web two to web three evolution gap for developers yeah I, well there are many ways but right now that come to mind there are like two really important ones and the, the first one is creating the content the second one is experimentation so with creating the content that will help new developers to get the right skills you know, like to have a clear path on how to get started and how to start creating their own dApps and smart contracts. And, but also like this content, these tutorials, the bootcamps, certificates, everything else that go there uh, have to be created for all levels. You know, like they have to be created for like young generations of developers that may just be coming out of like high school or college and want to kind of like join the, the workforce, but also for seasoned developers that can bring their extensive like experience to the space. And the other part that I was mentioned that was uh, allowing the experimentation inside of organizations, that will foster the creation of many new projects. And that will bring the institutional support uh, to figure out like the best ways to attain mass adoption. The tech industry kind of like thrives on trial and error. So kind of like failing fast and learning from the needs of customers and users and having kind of like a small, uh, sometimes a sponsored guerrilla efforts will create more polished applications and rapidly figure out like what is what is going to work and what is not going to work. And if I can add a third one, perhaps to that, uh, perhaps it kind of uh, came from into my mind after you mentioned Galapagos, is that uh, helping developers in multiple regions, like in developing countries, uh, to also bring their own diverse experience and opinion to the table. Like we shouldn't just impose like the same models all over the world. And uh, Web3 kind of like sponsors a lot, champions a lot of decentralization. And if we really want to kind of like champion that, uh, giving developers all over the world the means to create uh, solutions for local problems is, is pretty much logical and needed. That makes sense. You're going to run up against, you're, and, and I don't know if you're, you're finding this, you're going to run up against people who just, companies that just don't want to change. 
you know, like, like Facebook, like IBM, you know, like what you see as the, what do you see as the war against development to, to migration to Web3? Um, and, and how do you help your developers navigate through that pushback? Well, some companies are going to be really smart and they are going to figure out like, look, at the very least, let's hedge our bets and let's try uh, Web3. So some of them may still want to kind of keep their main business going without any changes, but I still say like, hey, why don't we kind of like try, try to create like a small group that explores this initiative and is still kind of like give access to developers instead of their own organization. So those are going to be the smart ones. They're going to be the ones that are going to say like, look, we don't know if this is really the big, the big thing, but we're not going to miss out. Of course, you're going to find other organizations that are going to be completely opposed to it, that are going to try to just keep things the way they are because they have been working for 20, 30, 40 years. So why change? But usually those are the organizations that at some point are going to have to catch up. You know, like usually when a technology kind of like opens, when a technology brings like new advantages in terms of like user experience or more security or like something that makes, well, all like everyone's life better, then they're not going to be able to to count like um uh just to stay behind they will have to join and in particular with developers i think uh, educational content and like providing like uh tried and true paths to learn that is going to just help them you know like to have uh like something that is uh going to be available to them in web 3 and web 2 and one of the things that i will love about agoric is that since we are already using a technology that is quite established like in the case in this case javascript a developer could just say like, hey, I can use my existing skills, but a new developer could say, I still can learn JavaScript, learn the Goric way, learn how to use these things. And even if after a while they don't want to be in the Web3 space, they still can use the same skills, you know? So like that gives them like a lot of job security because JavaScript is not something, uh, at least with Agoric, not something that is just for the Web3 space. It can be used almost in anything, in gaming, uh, like obviously front-end, back-end development, and a lot of other applications that you see pretty much every day. It's interesting that you say that not just Web3, but I saw an article recently that talked about Web4, and I'm like, what's Web4? We're just learning what Web3 is, right? So... How does that developer education help accelerate adoption to this, you know, web four or five or six, whatever number they want to use? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, well, for once, better and more available, which I think it's important, more available education will only increase the quantity and the quality of the developers working in web three. So, and that in turn kind of like will improve the applications available to all users. So uh, developer education plays a, a crucial uh, role in accelerating that adoption in Web3 or Web whatever uh, by empowering developers with the, the knowledge, the skills, the confidence that they need to build an innovate, uh, impactful uh, dApps. And like I mentioned before, we're still in a period of like rapid growth. Uh, we don't know where the next big thing will come from. So giving developers the tools they need will only increase their ability to unleash that creativity that they have and to make a splash in many daily aspects of our lives. The other thing would be perhaps like fostering innovation, although I already mentioned that, but improving developer experience and developer as developers become like more well-versed in Web3 development, they can contribute to improve like the developer experience, like uh, the existing tools and platforms and the feedback loop kind of like helps refine all these tools and make it more accessible. And I think the last one that is more direct 
is enabling developer advocacy. So with more education, developers can become advocates in Web3 for Web3 and spreading awareness uh, of its benefits and advocating for its adoption within their networks and their communities. So that would become like a grassroots uh, movement, a grassroots advocacy that strengthens uh, the overall adoption of Web3. So, so that directly, uh, that, that is one of those things kind of like uh, dog footing. So we, if we not only build the dApps, if we not only like build the uh, like the protocols and the chains that are kind of like powering all this, but also we are kind of like users of those same technologies, then we are going to kind of like start talking first with our families and then with our friends, and then it kind of like grows there. So not only they will like better education for developers would help them to build better like tools, but also to kind of like be more confident in going out and talking with others about it. Advocacy. I like that. Um, I like the grassroots. And I want to see, we talked about the Galapagos. I want to visit the Galapagos, right? Sure. The third point that you said was that you have all these new developers from emerging countries now who are now being involved and are learning and how have you seen, and you've been here since for a few years, like me, how have you seen the impact of COVID and all that flattened and enabling um, the, the, the uh, emerging country developers to be more involved in the crypto ecosystem? How have you seen that all play out? Well, I, I think I've seen it at the same time. I, I will, would have loved to come and like see it even more. So clearly one change was like the entire thing of like going to the office, you know, like now with having a more remote uh, kind of like way of living, then you see that like these uh, digital nomads are going all over the world, you know, so they are bringing not only like their money, but they are bringing their 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 knowledge. So if let's say in Colombia, like someone goes to Medellin, that last year we had like Cosmoverse there in Medellin. So then they can bring that knowledge and kind of start working with like local communities. So let's say that they spend like one year there, then they already have a lot of knowledge that perhaps was not there before. But also kind of like even with developers just working with different companies, you know, like Agoric is a, a remote first company. So right now, like uh, it took me almost like two or three months to kind of like meet my manager in person. And, and uh, we're going to have an offsite to kind of like meet the entire company like at the end of the year. So right now it's much easier for a developer to say like, look, I may be trying to uh, solve local problems in my country, but I still may be working with like a, a foreign or company that are, like most of the companies well distributed. So that helps a lot. Uh, the other thing is that uh, in many ways that remote work Everyone kind of like knew a lot of people were like, I've been doing remote work almost the last 10 years, but that doesn't mean that that was kind of like in the mainstream media. A lot of people still had to go to the office. They still had to kind of work with their coworkers that sold nine to five every day. And uh, for a lot of people, it was almost unimaginable like to say like, hey, I'm going to work with someone that is in the other side of the States, you know, or like uh, that is in Australia or that is in Europe. So now because like regular people, non-developers, non-tech people are also kind of like living that kind of life, it is almost kind of like more accepted. And I think it's easier for everyone to just start like this type of like uh, involvement. Um, the thing that is still is kind of like uh, uh, something interesting is that you still see some countries and some areas like North America obviously leading like development in, in, in crypto, in, in Web3. And uh, sometimes it would be interesting to see kind of like more uh, like uh, 
effective efforts coming from other places you know so sometimes it, it feels almost like there's uh lacking like that little step like additional step to make it work all around because you still have like a lot of talented people living all over the world and many times you will you lack kind of like more projects coming from like different places so that's something that i would like to see and in some of like the international uh, conferences that i had last year that was that was visible in one of them like we had something like three thousand developers in colombia and uh from latin america i think it was only like 30 percent of all attendees so that means that uh most like 70 percent of the rest of the attendees were coming from uh north america europe and perhaps uh, like a couple more regions so clearly even if even if the event was kind of like local like most of the attendees were still like uh, coming from abroad so there's still kind of like a lot of work to do there Sounds like it. <laughs> um, so let's see. Um, you mentioned before you mentioned soft skills, right? Yeah. Not just the, but actually the soft skills. What are some of the most critical soft skills you see uh, necessary now, and who who fills those roles? Well, some of those roles are going to be filled directly by developers, you know, but clearly uh, uh, if we want Web3 to be successful, that has to become like a joint effort. So like I'm talking about like a, a full ecosystem. So um, uh, anyone that has shipped kind of like a big product should already know that having the best solution sometimes is not enough. And to capture the hearts of consumers and users uh, requires more. You know, so we would have to kind of like, we could have like the best possible systems and it's still not enough adoption. So we need kind of like the best designers, marketers, producers, salespeople, managers, etc. So we need them all to have like su successful platforms, dApps and, and solutions in general. Um, and I think all of them kind of bring like their own soft skills and hard skills too, like their own know-how. But I think especially in Web3, like what I mentioned before, like that was like the need, the, the curiosity, like, and the need to evolve, uh, that is really going to be incredibly important. Um, and I think also like another role that sometimes, especially like when I'm talking with developers, uh, is not mentioned enough is the, the investors. And it's because their confidence in different projects is really what is going to allow us to keep improving the technology. So I'm figuring out like these new solutions. But uh, in, in all in all, what I'm trying to say is that we need a well-rounded ecosystem. Like developers are going to be at the core effort of Web3 growth. Uh, but many more pieces need to work together uh, to turn it all like into like all that potential into a reality. Let's talk about those pieces then. As the market recovers, and the market is recovering because we're recently at the, we've been in a bear stage for a while, um, and there are signs of life. Uh, while you know, what will it take other than just you said investors and devs, and what else to fill those gaps and to bring back the you know the uh, what's the word rallying or whatever the word the hype or whatever the hype, but like the actual you know market to bring back to to restore that to, to you know prominence again. Yeah, I, I think it is a little bit of a combination of a couple of things that I mentioned before. So um, I think people that are willing to be advocates and, and that type of role, it's not necessarily just a developer. It's not just kind of like a marketer. So it pretty much could be anyone that is really passionate uh, about the technology and that is willing to kind of like go and say like, hey, uh, why don't you try this? Sometimes that's all you need, like someone that may have not like any contact with Web3 to be able to say like, sure, let me let me try it out. Uh, then the other thing is that unfortunately, being absolutely honest, 
uh, Web3 sometimes kind of like has carried a lot of bad name. And well, last year was kind of like a, 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 a harsh one for everyone in the industry. So a lot of people are going to be uh, afraid in the mainstream, kind of like in the common, uh, like regular population to be like, hey, I don't know about this technology. Hey, I don't really want to invest. Hey, I don't want to try it. And even developers may be kind of like, this is not the space that I want to work in. So like that, uh, like those advocates that are willing to say like, look, I may not kind of like be shouting it down the street, but whenever I have a meetup, whenever I have kind of like a, a, a conversation with someone else, I can include it in the conversation. That is going to be kind of like really important because that is going to change the perception of like other developers, of other tech people, other people working in the tech industry, and also of like the regular uh, like consumer or user that may be kind of like on the fence of like, should I try or shouldn't I try? Um, apart from that, I think uh, this may be a little bit different is like uh, artists and, and it's because like they are really creative people and sometimes uh, like their use cases are so different from many others that just being part of that, like uh, even if it's through NFTs or just kind of like coming out with a project that nobody else, nobody else has kind of like created, I don't know, like an artistic game or an educational effort, they are also going to kind of like bring something else that many times developers, we don't really think about. You brought up an interesting point. I have to ask about it, you know. So um, crypto, this is the first time in human history, I'd say, where you have a convergence. You have a convergence. Like everybody talks about, you know, we lost money investing or like the NFTs went from $3 million to $3. Or, you know, they don't talk about the, the, social, the, the convergence of social, economic, and technology being together all at the same time, all at once. Um, this is the first time that's ever happened in human history, right? Yeah. So how do you get people to understand that this is a revolution? This is a first time and maybe last time ever in human history that something that this will happen at the same time, like the perfect storm. Well, I think uh, for tech people is going to be a little bit through education, like that you can explain concepts like decentralization and then they, they can get it and then they can immediately start acting on that. For the regular person, it's going to be a little bit harder because I think most people don't really care about technologies. You know, if you really think about like something like electricity, uh, yesterday I actually had kind of like an internet outage here in the area. And most of the time, I'm not thinking about like uh, the the telecommunication companies that kind of like does the, the the cables and has like all these machines that make all this like miracle that is the internet work. So, but the moment that it stops working, that's when I start kind of like really thinking about that. Like that's when I start kind of like calling the company and getting like, hey, this is what happens. So that's what happens with most uh, consumers, with most users. They don't really care about the technology underneath. They really care about like, how is that going to solve their day, their day-to-day problems? So I think bringing more use case scenarios, uh, like more solutions that really kind of like help people like to feel that in their day-to-day life, that's how they're going to kind of figure out like, oh, this is different. You know, like this is not something like a, hey, uh, like a bank, because for a lot of people still, it's kind of like just money, uh, like a bank, but it's decentralized. Isn't like, no, like I can use a cryptocurrency for more than just buying things. 
you know, like, and uh, things like a doubt, that would be really hard to explain to someone that is not in the technical, uh, like the tech world, you know, but then you begin to kind of like tell them like, look, this, like a doubt could have like a different type uh, of like decision making, like how you people that are members of like this organization, they can collaborate in a different way than what you're used to. It's not exactly like a company. It's not exactly like a user group. It's not exactly like things like that. That is going to be hard to explain. But if they begin to get more applications that kind of like little by little show them the different applications of cryptocurrency, of Web3, of the technologies and concepts like decentralization, that's when they're going to be like, hmm, that's great. And of course, one of the things that I have... Uh, kind of like try to bring to the table whenever I'm talking with non-technical people, it has to do with like, who's going to own your data, you know, who, especially like personal data. That's something that I think right now, a lot of people are a little bit more aware of. And then they figure out like, hmm, there were some organizations, governments, companies uh, that sometimes had too much access to what we uh, like want to keep secret or, the, or not secret, but at least private which I think is really the, the important part there, private. Everyone understands that we can share a certain amount of information, but the level of trust that every person has in the world is quite different. But many times we don't get any option. Many times it's like, hey, this is what uh, you need to share to be able to part of the system or to connect with this organization. And we don't really care if we, if you want to share that information. And that's not something that a lot of people are comfortable with, you know, and, and perhaps a lot of these leaks and like passwords and data and like how we have seen that some corporations have used personal data, that kind of gives a pause to people. And then I think that's an angle that a, a lot of people in the Web3 industry should think to, to educate more the, the regular user, because then they, they, they resonate more with that type of conversation. I agree. When I, when I tell people about DAOs and what's possible, you know, I say, you know, 90% of the corporate boards right now for stock companies are made up of, 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 of people and their friends. And DAOs give people who are not in that friendship group, not part of that click, the opportunity to or be part of the governance. You know, that seems to click more than say, okay, well, technology does this or that. So, you know, um, I think it's, a, I think it's just, we'd have to bring people to the business and to the real application um, that, that'll help for them. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I can only, I think it happens to all of us, you know, like, I don't know anything about like uh, sending someone to the moon, you know? So if someone from NASA kind of came and talked to me, I would be a little bit like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. But if they are able to put it in terms that uh, could be applied to my day-to-day -day life, there is a better chance that I'm going to grasp at least the basic knowledge that they may be talking about. And I think sometimes... Uh, and, and that's something that, well, developer relations tries to uh, like mitigate is that sometimes like developers, we get really excited about the technology, the technology just for the sake of the technology. So sometimes we can like fail at explaining why is that important? It's like, if I started like talking about like data structures or like uh, why JavaScript exists and that there are like many other languages, most people are going to be like, I don't care. I don't understand. And let's move on. So we have to kind of figure out like the best way to, to kind of like close that gap in terms of knowledge and familiarity, you know? And the good thing is that after uh, crypto kind of like came to the mainstream 
like parlance and, and everyone has been talking. I think more people have been interested. It's just that I think we need to keep pushing. This is not going to be something that is going to happen from like next week or next month. They, like I mentioned before, we're kind of like in rapid growth and it's because we're just starting. And it's really funny because we, a lot of people have been talking about crypto for 10 years, more than 10 years. In the case of some of the Agoric founders, they have been talking about some of the concepts even like for 20 years. But uh, that was kind of like in circles of developers. That was not really kind of like outside. You would not see kind of like uh, an advertisement about like cryptocurrency like uh, 15 years ago. Everyone would be kind of like, what is that thing? You know, or they would not care, you know, but that has been changing. So it, it has like some good parts of like being uh, a little bit more uh, uh, in the top of mind of people. Unfortunately, some some incidents that I'm not going to get into here have kind of brought some bad press to 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 the space. But hey, I guess it's like everything, like the growing pains of any industry. I agree. I agree. Um, so I enjoyed speaking with you today. This has been a wonderful conversation, and uh, thank and, and thank you, thank you. And uh, I have one last question. It's probably the easiest one. Okay. <laughs> how can people find out more information about you, about Agoric, about what you do, what you're up to? How can they do that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the the easiest, the two easiest ways would be directly going to our website. So that's agoric.com. Um, and then if you want to kind of like learn more and be a little bit more involved, we have like almost every month, like a community call. So then we kind of like uh, give people, especially developers, a little bit of an idea of what are like the things that we're working on and things like that. We also have an office hours that goes every uh, Wednesday, I think around like noon uh, Eastern time, but usually that's quite focused on developers, you know, like if they already are interested in the technology, if they have like some sort of like problems and all that. So like perhaps the community call would be a little bit for everyone. And if you just want to kind of like get, get the, the general idea of what we're doing, uh, agoric.com is the best place to go to. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time today. No, thank you very much. I really love the conversation. And yeah, I hope to uh, at some point come back and join someone else like to talk about like this space. I'm really passionate about it and, and I really love to talk about it. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Jamel.